Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. You're listening to the Thread Bible Podcast. Welcome back to Episode 1 of Season 4. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of our lives through verse-by-verse study of the Bible. And in Season 4, we're exploring the bedrock of the entire Bible, Genesis 1-12. through The Thread Bible Podcast is brought to you by Medialite Asia. I want to greet my old-time friends, those who have been with me in this podcast journey from the very beginning and who have encouraged me so much to keep going, and that's actually one of the great things that brought me back uh, to refocus. I've had two years off. It's because of a massive construction project to build our campus here in Thailand. It was just too hard to do both things, but I'm back, and I want to say uh, hello to everybody down in Alabama at City Hope and Daphne, Alabama, and other locations. Uh, you guys are awesome. All the people in Atlanta that I know that have encouraged me uh, from many churches there, hundreds of listeners from Manila, Philippines, from Lighthouse and Every Nation, and ASCM and other pockets of friends there. I love you guys. And a special greeting to Medialite graduates from around the world, 40 different nations. And this whole group of friends, some of you are out there planting churches. You're in the early stages of your ministry. Others of you are in professional media work and you're trying to shine a light. Uh, others of you are working in nonprofits. Some are doing street ministry to Uh, children who are living by railroad tracks, uh, and your lives are amazing, and I'm really excited to be part of it and to try to bring you some good feeding. You know, athletes need a special diet, and those of you who are putting your whole life into ministering to other people, you know, you've moved past yourself, and you're not there just for you, but you're there to be Uh, a light, and to be salt, and to be a blessing to others, and you're the people I live for every day. So thank you for encouraging me to uh, refocus on the podcast, which I'm doing right now. I also want to say welcome to our new listeners, and it's one of the things I love about podcasting. It's the ability to meet new people from all over the world. It's just, it always amazes me how many different nations Uh, listen to the podcast, and that's just the power of media. And it's one more reason why Christians have to learn to speak media language. Uh, And I want to give a very special welcome to those who are encountering the Bible for the very first time and to those from other faiths. If you are Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, agnostic, atheist, whatever your uh, faith position is, I welcome you, and I reach out to you as a friend. This podcast is actually a really good place to start if you want to understand the Bible, because we're going to begin in the, uh, the, the foundation level of the Scriptures. We're going to study the first 12 chapters in the book, and I've been doing nothing but this for two years in my Bible study. I have focused on this content and... Honestly, it's been an amazing journey. I feel like I am just now understanding the core story of the Bible 
after 35 years of studying it, and I just can't wait to share what I've learned with you. Uh, so if you're out there and you're from another faith and you got a lot of questions as we go along, just write me directly. We'll put an address in the show notes. I would be delighted to correspond with you. Um, as we go through these 12 chapters, and I chose them on purpose because they really are the place to begin if you want to understand your Bible properly. Uh, if we, as we go through this journey, you're going to encounter some new things, and one of those are what we call design patterns. You're going to see, uh, for example, early on, there's the eldest son who feels privileged, who assumes that he has the right to receive and inherit, and then you're going to see that older son passed by for someone born later in the family line. It's going to upset the first become last and the last become first, and that's going to just echo all the way through the Bible. I mean, chapter one alone is going to give us so many design patterns, things like trees. Uh, We're going to see uh, God create trees. We're going to meet two trees dead in the center of the garden. Later, these the position that these trees are in is going to be occupied by a place in a temple called the Holy of Holies, where God dwells. And then from there, we're going to move all the way to the New Testament. We see Jesus on a hill, on a tree, being sacrificed to save the world. Just and. And back to the tree of life in the last book of the Bible. It's just these seed thoughts are going to be planted in the very first pages of the Bible. And these thoughts will be developed throughout all 66 books until the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, sort of a mirror image of the book of Genesis. So it's fascinating. Uh, Just so much craftsmanship, and detailed work. And on the surface, these may look like simple stories, but this is spiritual mining. As you dig deeper and pay close attention to the first 12 chapters of Genesis, you will hit new layers of meaning, and they may change how you've always understood even your life on this planet. And there are some, there are some things here, if you pay attention There are some mind benders along the way. I mean, some of what you find in these 12 chapters may call into question the way you've always understood the Bible and the central message that that it's bringing us. New ideas will come into your mind, and these ideas may unsettle you sometimes. But if your study of the Bible never unsettles you, you're simply not engaging deeply enough. I mean, don't be scared of this. As you engage the Bible, it's supposed to change you. And it just means that you're growing intellectually, even if it kind of scares you sometimes because you start to not believe what you used to believe and you believe new things more strongly. Well, all that means is that you are growing intellectually and spiritually and that you are taking the Scriptures seriously. My commitment is to you. I want to see you grow, and that's why I do this podcast. I am committed to sound doctrine, solid evangelical 
doctrine. I believe in the Bible. I believe it is a revelation of God, that it is perfect in what it intends to convey. And I am committed to the Lord to live my life for Him and to honor Him. So uh, we, I will try to give you a guided tour in into these 12 chapters, and I will show you the things that have stood out to me and to others uh, who have been scholars and spent their whole life studying these sections, and I'm happy to share that with you. This book has so much deep truth, but you have to sift it slowly. It's got fascinating craftsmanship, and it is designed to reward the one who is really seeking to hear from God, and that's why I like verse-by-verse Bible study, because if we're going to study the Bible topically, then you can just pick, you know, half a, half a verse here and a verse there and pull them totally out of context, and you can cause the Bible to say and support pretty much anything you want just by that kind of mixing um, and ripping things out of context. But when you anchor down and you say, nope, I'm not bouncing around. I'm going to stay in one section. I'm going to go verse by verse. Now you're bound to that section of the Bible. You're going to have to get to know the background of it, the writer, why it's there, what the points are. It's going to feed you, but it's going to require some work from you. So here's my vision for you. As we study these foundational 12 chapters of the Bible, first of all, that your Bible will become unlocked to you. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know how I got it, but I got my hands on this diary, and this diary had a uh, piece of leather that came around it and went into a lock. And I, I pray for you, and I have a vision for you that as you go slow now and open your Bible and weigh out every word, that your Bible will become unlocked to you like a diary with a clasp, and it will fall open, and God's Word will begin to flow into you, and you will, secondly, hear your Creator's voice telling you why you are here on earth and what you are called to do with your life. And third, my vision for you is that after these 12 chapters, you will have a clear understanding of the unseen spiritual world all around us and the spiritual war that we're all caught up in. You're going to meet talking snakes, uh, more or less cloned human, violent super beings dedicated to world domination. You'll encounter the human campaign to make war against God. It's all here in Genesis 1 through 12, along with the first glimpse of the Creator's bold plan to save the world using mortals like you and me and a person who he prophesies will come, a special one that will bring conclusion to his plan. Stay tuned. Let's, in, let's spend a little time now on some introductory matters. First of all, the question of the Bible itself. 
what is the Bible and why do we have it? And let me just answer that question in reverse. Let me talk about five things the Bible is not, in my humble opinion. First of all is the Bible is not a random library. Although the Bible contains everything from poetry to stories to commentary on historical events to dreams and interpretations to records of conversations, uh, even with all that variety, and even having been written by 40 different people, the Bible's a, an amazingly unified story. It delivers one message repeatedly in many forms. So I don't believe that the Bible is just sort of a collection of a bunch of old literature from the Hebrew people, and so it didn't get lost. It all got gathered, and somebody finally came up with a way of stitching it together so that the pieces wouldn't fly loose, and we just have this sort of uh, encyclopedia or library to bounce through. I don't think that's what the Bible is at all. I think it's a unified message that brings us to Jesus. Secondly, the Bible is not a talisman designed to protect us from evil, and what I mean by that is the physical book. You know, I've lived in Asia most of my life, and as you go around in Asia, you see people with uh, strange-looking rings, and they have things around their neck. The country I live in now is very common to see, you know, a massive, heavy object on the end of a chain uh, or a, a tattoo that stretches all the way across a person's back. And these are all talisman. They're things that humans do. They're material objects designed to protect us from spiritual evil. And some people honestly use the Bible that way. If they're scared, they'll put the Bible in their, uh, under their pillow or they'll put it by the door of their house so uh, evil can't come through the door. Or in other ways, you know, they use the book itself to ward off evil and you know, I don't know if that works or not. I just know the Bible is a whole lot more than that. It's not a, uh, a superstitious object. It is the Word of God, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I think the Bible is a lot more than a talisman. The Bible, third, is not a fortune-telling book. Some people take their Bible and just flop it down on a table and you know point at the first words they see. And I'm not saying God can never, ever guide people like that. I mean, it's His Word, and He can do what He wants with it, and I'm sure He's used the Bible in many different ways, but the Bible is so much more intelligent than that. It is more than a fortune-telling book. Number four, it's not a law book. Uh, it's got some laws in it. It's got some structure. It has some uh, expressions of how God believes society should be ordered, but it's not a complete set of laws. It's, it doesn't appear to be uh, even, and even those who are trying to follow the law about something as simple as the Sabbath, there's such a variety, even in the Bible itself, of uh, ways to describe the Sabbath, what is and is not okay on Sabbath. So it's not a complete book of law. It points to something bigger. The fifth thing 
I don't even think the Bible is designed to complete us, to make us right, you know, get, uh, answer all of our questions, give us the right doctrine and the pure doctrine, and there, there's just pieces missing, you know, you're, if that's what you think it is, and actually so much damage has been done by people with that fundamentalist attitude in every religion of the world, when you think you're the right one, then that gives you permission now to persecute and damage and prosecute other people for not being as right as you. I don't think the Bible is here to make us the right ones and to complete us and answer all of our questions. It's not all in there. What is the Bible? It's a source of revelation. It is a means by which God can speak to us. And in this revelation, He reveals the personality the character, and the purposes of God Himself, our Creator. But He also reveals the personality, character, and purposes of other supernatural beings. Some of them are um, antagonistic to God and to us. It is designed, I think, the primary purpose of the Bible as a revelation, a book of revelation, is to open us to God. It's not here so much to complete us and say, all right, that's it, now you're finished, as it is to crack us open. And even in the way the Bible, you know, 80% of the Bible is stories. And even the way these stories are told, it's a very peculiar way. There is precious little detail given in a typical Bible story, and this is done intentionally. Everything in Scripture is intentional. If it's there, it's there on purpose. If it's left out, it's left out on purpose. If there are gaps, there are intentional gaps. And in this case, when a character is not well-defined, it is so that you and I can slip into that character because most of the stories in the Bible involve a character facing a moral dilemma. They are under pressure, and they now must decide. Uh, first time this happens, they're standing in front of two trees, and this scenario presents itself over and over again. Two choices. Choose God. Choose the world. Choose others. Choose yourself. You know, and it, it over and over again. But what this, what these stories do, is to say, enter into this character, face this same situation, reveal your own self, and see who you are. The Bible is designed to open us to God, and I pray that you're going to be open to God as you study along with me these first twelve chapters of Genesis. Now, we're going to try to study them, but we're going to be opposed. We're going to have obstacles. And I want to talk to you real quick about two obstacles. Two things are going to get in our way as we try to study this amazing book. Number one, we're going to have to battle. Actually, it's the whole thing. We're going to have to battle a set of filters that we already have in our mind before we even come to the text, okay? Uh, we have a set of, uh, well, the first, two filters in particular. Number, number one, prior learning. See, the way the brain saves calories is once you are convinced that you know something, when 
uh, new material is presented, your brain will immediately listen for the something that you already know. And if it thinks it finds it, it goes, yeah, yeah, I know that. And you click that off and your mind wanders at that point and you don't even pay attention. And that's going to happen. So I want to encourage you to try to approach this book, even if you even if you've heard these stories all your life, approach this book as though you have never read it, as though this is brand new, fascinating learning, because everything that you already know, and that's in air quotes, is in the way of new things you could learn if only the door to your mind was open. A lot of this stuff is not how it appears on first reading. When you're in the first 12 chapters of Genesis and you run on any, you know, it's almost like everything actually stands for something else and something much bigger. So you're going to miss so much because of prior learning. If you've already been around these stories and you believe you understand it, you're going to miss way too much stuff. The second thing that's in our way, that is another set of filters on our mind, is rationalism. All of us are products of 300 years of rationalism and materialism. Materialism says there is no spirit world. There is not even a spiritual dimension to humans. We are a piece of meat. Your mind is created by your brain and it's just, uh, even your emotions, this thing you think is love, all of it has a scientific explanation that is grounded in a physical reality, and there is no spiritual, emotional dimension to being a human. Well, we're programmed with that. We were born with it, because that has been 300 years of push, and on top of this, you and I are also the children of the technology age, so our minds are already pre-programmed with a rationalist, technologist, materialist framework, and I'm going to spend the whole next episode touching on this and how it's going to limit us if we don't take charge and take authority over our own mind and decide to suspend our rationalism and let God talk to us about a world that we don't see, but it's real. It's as real as the other world, and it creates the other world. So that getting a Bible mindset, getting the same mindset of the craftsmen who, who built this book that we are now going to study, because it didn't drop out of the sky, it was crafted uh, by anointed human authors, and they have done a masterful work to reveal things to us, but we need to see the world the way they saw the world in order to even understand this, this new revelation, okay? We'll talk more about that in the next episode. We'll be right back. All right, 
finally, what is Genesis? What is this book? The word Genesis means beginning. What is this book Genesis? Well, surprisingly, it's not a history book. That's most people's first mistake. Genesis is not a history book. There is no attempt in this book to give us a general history of creation or even of the earliest establishment of human society. And that seems so strange. And so that's our first mental obstacle. We expect a history. We want a history. But it isn't. Actually, we do not have in this world even one true history of any person who ever lived. To write such a history would require that you record every minute of that person's life and what happened and what it meant. And even if you did that, so that a, you know, a book on an 80-year-old takes 80 years to read, even if you did that, it would still be from someone else's perspective. We just don't have true history. It's not possible. What we do have are documents created by people using the life of a person of interest. And in this document, they use the events of that person's life to say what they want to say to us. For example, uh, someone who's had many biographies written about him is Winston Churchill, Britain's leader during World War II. So you can read a book about Churchill, the history, you know, the biography, the history of Churchill as a leader in crisis times. They're going to talk about the crises he faced, how he led, maybe where he stumbled, what his battles were as a leader. And the way they're going to tell that story is to get rid of everything else in his life except that one aspect. You could talk about Churchill as a leader in his battle with depression, because he had a very famous uh, struggle between what he called the white dog and the black dog, and he, he had the white dog that would come visit, and he would feel uh, strong and bold and like the world needs him to save it, and then the black dog would visit, and he would dive into despair and just want to curl up in his bathtub and and not come out and not see the world because who am I and what do I have to offer? Just that wrestling in his mind. It's, it'd be a fascinating book, and I'm sure it's out there. But the way you get to that book is it'll leave out so many things in his life and only talk about that one little thing. Oh, man, you could do Churchill's love of tobacco, what tobacco he liked. Uh, Churchill as a husband and a father, you could judge him on that. You could do Churchill's love of alcohol. But in all these books, we would not be truly discussing the life of Winston Churchill, just some aspect of his life. I went through all that because in the same way, we don't have access to the real lives of Adam and Eve, or Abraham, or King David, or even Jesus. And the Bible itself says that about Jesus, that he did so, his life was so much bigger then what is recorded that the details recorded are there so that we will understand him and follow him. It's, they're very, very clear on why they have used what they used from the story. I mean, for example, we don't know how long Adam and Eve lived in perfect happiness and harmony. 
before their fall into darkness? I mean, was it a million years? Was it a thousand years? Was it a hundred years? Was it a day? We don't know. You know, it's not a history book. We just find Adam and Eve naked in front of two trees, making a decision that will change everything for them and for us. Genesis is not a history book. It is a work of a master craftsman who uses the stories and events from the ancient world to bring us the first written message from God. Actually, the Genesis story, the first three chapters of the Genesis story, may very well be the oldest human story, the oldest human story from anywhere in existence today. It's that ancient. Uh, So it's an important message. It's a story that brings us a message from God, but this book is not history. It is a theological revelation. It's a revelation about who we are, why we are here, how the world got so messed up, and what God is doing to fix it. Yeah, I wish it was a history book. I wish we had it, a history book, because we have so many historical and, of course, scientific questions about the creation of the solar system, planet Earth, the human race, the establishment of human societies. We're so curious about all these things, and I am too, but our storyteller is not interested in our curiosity. He has a powerful story to tell us under the pulsing inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we, his readers, need this revelation. He is bringing us God's point of view so we can reprogram our minds and make sense of our broken world. And we need the revelation that this book is going to bring us because it's going to frame the central issue all of us face every day. As we seek to escape these powerful, dark forces, we feel them pulling us down in our choices. I mean, even as you're trying to figure out what to watch on TV and all this stuff is flying in front of your faces, it's like, what do you want to watch? You want to watch uh, perversion? You want to watch fornication? You want to watch people hating each other? You want to watch violence? What are your choices? What are your choices? And even these daily choices, you can feel it. It's a downward pull. It's an automatic, powerful downward pull from dark forces, but somewhere in our heart, there's also this divine light, and it urges us to fight against that and rise up and take authority over even our little worlds that we're all in charge of and claim the life we were born to inherit as humans. We are the pinnacle of God's creation, and that's what this book is going to tell us. I can't stress it enough, though. It's a theological account of our existence as humans on planet Earth. It's not a transcription of security camera footage of the creation of the universe. It's not a science book. It's not a history book. And because it isn't, this book of Genesis could speak hope to those in exile in Babylon in the ancient world. And it could speak hope to those in the Middle Ages, and even today, it is alive with God's truth. And my friend, this book will help you. 
It will help you understand your life today. Even in our age of disruptive technology and global conflict, this book will speak to you. But we'll all miss it if we keep wearing our rationalist glasses. So let's agree to approach this text on its own terms as a revelation from God about the purposes and the meaning of our lives here on earth, that this book will be a message of hope to all of us, that God is active and He is working to rescue this world from what's been done to it. He has a plan, and He's working it right now. And amazingly, His plan includes you. So hit the subscribe button right now, and you'll automatically receive each new episode of the Thread Bible Podcast from Media Light. And if you'd like more information about Emerge Missions and our initiative at Media Light Asia, just visit MediaLightAsia.com or EmergeMissions.org. Expect God to use you today because you are the light of the world.